Welcome to ETF Working Lunch, an ETF.com podcast in partnership with women in ETFs. We get together with some of the smartest women in this business and we talk shop. I'm Cynthia Murphy, and today I'm joined by Marge Farkson, Head of Exchange Traded Funds for Nationwide. Hi, Marge. Hi, Cynthia. How are you? I am great. I'm so excited you're joining <laughs> me today because there's so many interesting things to talk about with you, from ETFs to insurance companies doing ETFs to what I think is super interesting, actually, which is what you told me earlier is called the FAIR Initiative. Um, it's a really interesting effort that you guys are doing to address diversity. So I'd love to start there, March. So if you can tell us a little bit about that initiative, you know, everybody's talking about diversity is really a big buzzword today, but I'd love to hear about, you know, how you guys started this initiative, what is it all about, what's Nationwide's involvement with it, and your involvement with it specifically. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Cynthia. And, you know, that's a really great way to start off the conversation. This is an effort that we're especially excited about at Nationwide, given our long and rich history of really supporting diversity, equity, and inclusion, as well as historically Black colleges and universities. So I would say that, you know, the events of the last year and a half have really crystallized within our industry one very important um, understanding, and that being, you know, creating an authentically inclusive and equitable industry really requires a collaborative industry-wide approach at tackling sort of the root causes of systemic racism. So, you know, to talk about FAIR, I want to get into a little bit of research that was conducted by the Nationwide Retirement Institute that really sort of set the stage for a decision to launch this effort. So looking at, you know, RISE Research, RISE being an acronym for Recruit, Invest, Sustain, and Evolve, what we found was nearly 90% of Black college students considering a career in financial services reported that they believe there are challenges that specifically affect Black advisors and financial professionals um, in the industry today. We saw this sentiment echoed by current Black advisors and financial professionals, with approximately 87% agreeing that Black professionals will face distinctive challenges in their careers. So thinking about that, right, what we did was we wanted to create an effort to really advance actionable solutions and contribute to lasting change in the industry. So with that in mind, Nationwide partnered with leading financial services organizations, associations, and historically Black colleges um, to form FAIR. And FAIR is an acronym for Financial Alliance for Racial Equity. And the mission of that group is to increase racial diversity, drive greater equity, and foster inclusion within the financial services industry and the communities that we serve. The underlying vision there, the underlying goal is really transforming the financial services industry to better serve diverse employees and communities, both current and future generations, using actionable and, you know, reasonable solutions. Now, I mentioned, Cynthia, that, you know, we've partnered with some really great institutions on this effort, firms including Morgan Stanley, 
M Financial, Huntington Bank, and Franklin Templeton. We've also collaborated with industry associations like the American College, the Employee Benefits Research Institute, and Torch Enterprises. And then, of course, our fantastic partners at HBCUs, including Hampton University, Virginia State University, Winston-Salem State University, and Howard University. So this is an effort that we're really excited about. With regards to my personal involvement, I'm really fortunate to have the opportunity going forward to work with the Nationwide Retirement Institute and Christy Rodriguez, who runs the Retirement Institute, who is spearheading this initiative in collaboration with John Carter, Nationwide's Chief Operating Officer and President of Nationwide Financial. Where my focus is going to be is really on the recruit area. And really what we're going to be trying to do there is really building awareness of opportunities to attract and retain diverse talent within the financial services industry. Really, I think a good complement to the other work streams um, that will take place around invest, which is really focused on you know, increasing loyalty and retention among early career, diverse financial services professionals and sustain, right? Helping diverse financial services professionals grow in their career and business portfolio. So a lot of really great work happening that we're really excited about. And we definitely see this as an opportunity to create meaningful long-term change in collaboration with our partners. No, it's fascinating. It really sounds like, you know, as maybe maybe it's obvious, but it really sounds like it all starts with education, right? Because you were partnering up with a lot of educational institutions and starting change and opening access and opportunities really begins there. Is that right? Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Could not agree with you more. I think that is certainly one of the foundational imperatives, one of the cornerstones of this initiative. It's around really education, right? I think that's going to be a huge component when it comes to, you know, not only attracting, but also retaining talent, making folks aware essentially of the opportunities for professionals from diverse communities, the opportunities that are available within our industry to make meaningful contributions. So education, absolutely right, absolutely imperative. I wanted to, to start back something we talked earlier before the show, which is, which I think this effort really is a twofold effort. One is on the recruitment side, bringing the talent into the industry who is a diverse talent. The other is that we were talking earlier is about actually also serving diverse communities who, you know, have perhaps unique needs in terms of income generation or retirement planning and all that. So, you know, can we talk a little bit about that uh, when you think about diversity in the needs of a client? You know, how does what does that look like in terms of the challenge and how you tackle that? So, you know, at the crux of what we do here at Nationwide, whether it be, you know, product development, marketing, distribution, you know, everything that we do at Nationwide is focused on the customer, right? Mm -hmm. It's focused on taking an empathetic approach when developing tools and solutions as a way of helping our members to thrive. So with that in mind, you know, thinking about this notion around income, right, we have to really dig further into income and look at 
some of the key challenges or unique situations that may face investors from diverse communities when thinking about income, right? So income, I would say, is the cornerstone of retirement readiness and long-term financial resiliency. Income sets mm-hmm. the foundation for wealth and wealth is crucial for you know a household's economic security, economic opportunity, and protection against some of the economic crisis that folks may encounter, as we sort of saw um, last year at the height of the pandemic. So with that in mind, and thinking about what that looks like across diverse communities, you know, speaking from personal experience and, you know, from conversations I've had with advisors from diverse communities, friends of mine who come from diverse communities, there are definitely, I think, a few things that really stuck out. Um, so the first I would say there is sort of this, the role of, let's call them transformative assets, right? Or the role of intergenerational family support as the foundation for wealth building, right? And really addressing those early stage life cycle gaps when it comes to being able to lay a good foundation for income generation and financial security in retirement. That is a major gap that, you know, several studies have touched on when it comes to investors from diverse communities. There is a massive gap that we see when it comes to intergenerational family support as it relates to wealth building. Now, you know, something else that we encountered was, you know, retirement accounts and plan participation, right? Those have become key vehicles when thinking about financial security in retirement. But again, there's a significant gap when we look at retirement account and plan participation. So, you know, we've seen studies where, you know, 65% of white families roughly own at least one retirement account. By contrast, 44% of black families and 28% of Latinx families own one retirement account. So there is that significant gap that is created when thinking about financial security in retirement. Additionally, and this is something that, you know, I can speak personally to, and several of my friends have sort of vocalized in some of our conversations. When thinking about saving, one major impediment that folks from diverse communities face is the expectation that there will be support provided to their families. So, you know, a Clark University poll kind of talked about that a little bit, right? 80% of Black parents and 70% of Latinx parents have an expectation that their children will provide some degree of financial support, not only in the near term, but over a longer term horizon as well. Now, as you can, you know, obviously expect, that will create an impediment when it comes to saving in the near term, right? Having robust Mm -hmm. savings to address those near-term cash-dependent needs, but also having robust savings available in retirement. And that is something that we see at a disproportionate rate among investors from communities of color. 
The other thing I wanted to point out, because this is something that, you know, I've spent a lot of time really digging into as well. And there was a study, I believe, done recently by the Social Security Administration. But, you know, investors from communities of color, when thinking about the selections, where they're going to put their money, what sorts of asset classes are they going to put their money in? Black and Latinx investors, on average, put the majority of their money in perceived safer assets. So things like savings accounts or money market funds, CDs, government bonds, treasury bills, investments like those, right? Now, by mm-hmm. contrast, um, white investors are more likely to own higher yielding assets, right? With about 36% of white savers owning stocks and 50% owning individual retirement accounts or KEOs, right? Compared to Black and Latinx savers who had 9% and 7% ownership in stocks and 15% and 12% ownership in IRAs and KEOs, respectively. Now, the implication there, um, Chintia, is the fact that, you know, recent actions by the Fed around quantitative easing and the Fed's low interest rate policy has effectively exacerbated the gap in retirement savings. So what that essentially means is these policies have effectively pushed up the prices of higher risk assets like equities Mm -hmm. and depressed the yields and returns on lower risk instruments, such as those typically preferred by Black and Latinx savers. So, you know, in thinking about all of these things in the broader scheme of income generation and being able to deliver on that outcome, you know, it's definitely, I think, important to be cognizant of some of those specific issues when thinking about how to serve the income needs of folks in those communities. That is just a fascinating conclusion, you know, this disparity and what Fed action has caused. I don't think I had thought about that before. It's really insightful, Marge. It really paints a picture of just one, the importance of good financial advice and the importance of customized advice that really meets the client where the client's at and, you know, breaks that gap a little bit and, and just uh, puts better, better tools in their hands. Uh, it's a huge task ahead. And in, in that sense, I mean, you know, nationwide as an insurance company that also, you know, plays in the ETF space, I know you guys have a really strong focus on income. So, how is this conversation about diversity, about the different needs of different ethnic groups, really driving how Nationwide is thinking about where innovation is in terms of income and ETFs that offer access to that? Oh, I think that's a really fantastic question. And I think, you know, you definitely hit the nail on the head, Chindia. In thinking about, you know, strategic expansion and thinking about how we innovate when it comes to these income-oriented investments, certainly I think entering the ETF marketplace and choosing to offer these solutions in an ETF wrapper is extremely beneficial in the sense that I think ETFs serve as a vehicle for effectively accelerating financial inclusion, right? Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, ETFs in that regard will provide these investors access 
to a pretty comprehensive range of solutions that specifically meet those needs. Now, I will say with Nationwide, you know, when thinking about income generation, one of the things that we feel really goes hand in hand with that is this notion of strategic risk management, right? So obviously, we want to ensure that the solutions that we bring to market are delivering on that income-oriented outcome. But at the same time, we want to ensure that the solutions that we bring to market are taking a very thoughtful approach when it comes to risk management, because we want to ensure that when you know catering to these groups, we're not only delivering income, but we're also managing the short and long-term risks that are once again inherent to these, this notion of retirement readiness and long-term financial resiliency. Yeah, one one of your most successful ETFs, if we can, you know, name drop a ticker here real quick, NUSI, <laughs> you know, hits that nail right in the head, right? The risk managed income portfolio that uh, seems to be resonating with with folks out there. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, we we've had some really great success with the nationwide risk managed income ETF ticker NUSI um, since we launched it on December nineteenth, two thousand nineteen. Now, I will say, you know, Chintia, you hit the nail on the head, right? With that particular solution, what we sought to do was to generate high current income with a measure of downside risk mitigation. Now, I think, you know, what really resonated as it relates to that strategy and, you know, what's really attracted advisors and investors to that strategy, a few things, right? So first of all, the timing, right? The timing, I think, was ideal because this strategy was essentially launched just prior to the pandemic really taking hold and, you know, a lot of the COVID-19 fueled volatility and the sell-off that was triggered in late February as a result, you know, the strategy really provided investors with a way to sort of, you know, mitigate, potentially mitigate some of those losses, right? And that is something that really resonated. To take it back to the income component, I think that also resonated because one of the things that folks want to see with income, not only do they want to see high current income, they want to also see dependable income, right? Folks Mm -hmm. want to know that they're getting a distribution at this time on this day, right? They want that degree of security. They want that degree of reliability. And I think, you know, NUSI really went a long way or has gone a long way in providing that dependability by employing a managed distribution program. So effectively, investors in the fund they knew when they were getting a distribution and they knew what that distribution would look like. And folks, as I said, they want that level of security. They want that level of dependability. Mm -hmm. And finally, um, one of the things that we really did as well was really highlighting the value proposition of the strategy within the context of portfolio construction. So one of the things that we have worked very hard on and we've been very in tune with is really highlighting where this strategy will fit in a portfolio, 
how you use it in a portfolio, what are the value add, what are the benefits from employing this strategy in a portfolio? Because realistically, you know, investors, if you want to own NUSI and nothing else, okay, not realistic, right? So (laughs) we really had to highlight essentially, you know, how this strategy would fit in a portfolio, how it would deliver on those income-oriented and risk mitigation outcomes, but at the same time, how the strategy was complementary um, to existing exposures within a portfolio. So we found all of those, I think a combination of those factors really helped to, you know, or really contributed rather to the success of the strategy that we've seen thus far. Well, and it's so interesting that I think what's unique about the way Nationwide is going about ETFs is that you guys employ this manager of managers model. So you seem to enlist a lot of manager sub-advisors for your funds. And how do you go about this process in the sense of, I imagine, you know, it's a big due diligence process of figuring out who's the right manager for the right strategy to really deliver on your vision of what these income needs are. Can you walk us a little bit through that process? Are there any key metrics that you look like, any specific traits, track record, any kind of deal breakers on what makes a good or a bad manager? Um, So yes, nationwide, we do employ a manager of managers model where we leverage sub-advisors to manage our funds. And that is, of course, the case with our ETFs. What we like about that model, uh, Jindia, is the fact that it does provide us with sort of a high degree of nimbleness, right? But at the same time, I think it really allows us to deliver on our mission of bringing institutional quality investments from some of the best managers in the world to a broader audience. That is a commitment that's really a foundational imperative for Nationwide and the Investment Management Group. And the manager of managers models really allows us and positions us to be able to deliver on that commitment. Now, when looking at a manager or looking at a potential partner, so the selection process, um, it really is a combination of both quantitative and qualitative factors, really underscored, I think, by ensuring that we're selecting a manager with strong capabilities and resources when it comes to managing the type of strategy that we're looking at. So, you know, we definitely, we dig very heavily into the strategy itself. That's, I'd say, where a lot of the quantitative metrics come into play. Obviously, we look at the return profile. We look at the risk profile of the strategy. um, We look at the anticipated performance of the strategy across different market environments, how the strategies anticipated to perform there. But we also look at qualitative elements that directly, you know, tie back to a sub-advisor's ability to manage and administer a strategy on an ongoing basis. So, you know, we look very closely at the composition of the investment professionals, the team that are going to be tasked with managing the strategy. We look at their composition, we look at their track record, their level of expertise when managing a solution like this one. We also look very closely at, you know, their portfolio management and trading infrastructure. 
We also have um, a compliance, a very robust compliance program, you know, and looking at basically their risk management infrastructure, how they manage risk management, uh, things like cybersecurity are a big factor to us as well. So it really Mm -hmm. is, I would say, a combination of factors when it comes to selecting um, a sub-advisor. And we found this, you know, the approach that we take there to be extremely, it's worked very well for us. We've definitely seen that to bring it back to NUSI. We've seen that with the selection of the sub-advisor for that fund, Harvest Volatility Management, you know, and their ability to manage NUSI. So, you know, Harvest is a tremendous manager, an industry-leading derivative asset manager made up of investment professionals who collectively have decades of expertise advising, structuring, and managing options-based solutions similar to NUSI. So, you know, from a quantitative as well as qualitative standpoint, I think the specialization that they bring was really something that was highlighted over the course of our process and really made them a good selection when it came to choosing a sub-advisor for that product. Yeah, it was... um I've been thinking here about, you know, nationwide in the ETF space. So before I let you go, Marge, I wanted just to ask, when you think of nationwide, you know, we think insurance company. And here you guys are launching really interesting ETFs. What's unique about this fit of an insurance company launching ETF? Is it, should we make this assumption that, you know, insurance, the concept of providing security for people kind of taints the way you guys see the world. So we shouldn't expect to see a 3X leverage, super risky fund coming <laughs> from nationwide or, you know, what's what's the fit here? Right. That's a really wonderful question. And I think you're absolutely right. It is highly unlikely that you will see a triple leveraged <laughs> ETF, <laughs> you know, issued by Nationwide. You know, thinking about just our roots as an insurance company, what I always tell folks is, you know, one of the things that attracted me to Nationwide and how I view Nationwide is as a protection company. We're not an insurance company. We're a protection company, right? Our Mm -hmm. mission is really about protecting people, businesses, and futures with extraordinary care. And I think, you know, having a rather diverse, concentric business model where we have a pretty comprehensive range of products that really holistically, thinking about that mission, right, really holistically addresses the needs of investors as they, you know, make that journey to retirement readiness and long-term financial resiliency. Having that comprehensive range of products really, I think, gives us an edge when thinking about ETFs and where we go in this market, because we are very, very in tune with the needs of investors as it relates to retirement readiness and long-term financial resiliency, right? This is something that's baked into our DNA. And I think it does, you know, you'll definitely see it shine through with the strategic expansion of our ETF complex, with the outcomes that we bring to market, the outcomes that we want to deliver to investors, and also how we choose to go about strategic risk management, right? I think that is something that is also a function 
of Nationwide's brand or reputation or history as a protection company. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, being, you know, a protection company as we are, it does give us a very unique take to the market and positions us to really have a very thoughtful approach when it comes to bringing concepts, bringing solutions, bringing tools to market that are really geared towards addressing the needs of investors. Now that that makes total sense. So it is a somewhat intuitive fit. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Marge, we will have to leave it there unfortunately. Thank you so much. This was just a fascinating conversation. Thank you so much for your time today, Cynthia. I really appreciate it. I encourage all of you to to learn more about this fair initiative. It's a it's a really interesting effort and um, you know, check out Nationwide and their ETFs and what they're doing in that's income space. It's super interesting. If you enjoyed the show and you would like to hear previous episodes, check out ETF.com. If you would like to learn more about women in ETFs and how to get involved with that organization, check out womeninetfs.com. I'm Cynthia Murphy on behalf of the ETF.com team. Thank you very much for listening and we'll catch you next time. Mm